Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. And how good is it to be talking about a Wallaby win after that victory over the Springboks at Suncorp Stadium on Saturday night as uh, we welcome Christy Doran and Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au. Sammy, a sense of relief on Saturday night. Did you feel it? Yeah, absolutely. It was a pretty tense game, wasn't it? And, and you did get that horrible feeling that the Wallabies might find a way to let it slip again. Um, the, the draw was on the cards again after two draws yes. last year as well. That's, that was the one I was really, uh, hoping against. But, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly uh, a sense of relief that, uh, they got over the line and we can change the narrative a little bit this week after a, a few tough weeks. And Christy, uh, we will talk to Matt Tamua in just a moment live from, uh, from Wallaby Camp. But, uh, what did you uh, take from that Wallaby win? What did you like most about uh, what the Wallabies came up with on Saturday night? Oh, I think how they finished the game, their defence. We'd spoken a lot about it over the, the course of the two Bledisloe Slow Cup tests, particularly the, the turnover defence and how they respond. And I, and I think Kaif said it a number of times in commentary on the sideline, saying that the Wallabies looked a little bit more composed and calm when they were... Patient. Impatient, yeah. yeah. And they weren't necessarily trying to solve the problem by themselves, which is what we saw in, in the two second half to, uh, of the first episodes. Um, so, so certainly that, but also just the the, the coverage, um, a real statement I thought of playing for for your coach. We'd seen uh, in at Leicester just the, the weekend beforehand with an Australian coach there and Matt Tamua and, and Tatafu Pilota now two Australian players playing there that it looked and all reports coming out of England were that Leicester really rolled over, that they didn't particularly, they weren't playing for their coach and they were disinterested at times. And and here we saw the Wallabies really making a statement of intent to go, look, we're, we're backing ourselves and we're playing for our coach because we all know that he's been under a lot of pressure. And as good as the uh, the Wallabies were, and certainly there were improvements, and I'm not um, disregarding that effort in any way, shape or form, but... Did you think that uh, South Africa was, was quite poor at times? Yeah, I, it wasn't a high-quality game at all. I think, you know, George Gregan and the guys touched on that. And, the you know, the brutal reality is I don't think the Wallabies' performance actually improved from Bledisloe. I think if they'd played like that against the All Blacks, they would have got the same result. So, you know, South Africa, they... Ex- except maybe the defence. I mean, uh, they weren't really tested the same. And, you know, yep. South Africa had, had chances. You know, Willie LaRue got in space a few times and bombed it. He had a, had a shocker. And I think if, if he'd had a good, you know, held on to some of that ball, they, they would have exposed the Wallabies. So, yeah, I think they... they got out of jail a little bit. They, they showed a lot of uh, guts and, and to do it without some of their best players, that, that's obviously the impressive part about yeah, it. Yeah, you can't downplay the significance of losing well, Folau, Coleman and, and Pocock, three mm. of your most significant... Late in the week disruptions. I, exactly, and, and even just the, the like Bernard Foley going back to the bench and, and uh, Matt Tamur coming in at 12 and, and Bill to, to 10, like huge disruptions there, I think, and uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more with Matt about that and how he coped with it because it would have been a roller coaster ride for him too and, and judging from what the players have said, and we spoke to Nick Phipps last week, uh, I don't think anyone really saw this coming at all. Mm. So they, they, did, they did very well to, to come out with the win. But you're right, Sammy. The South Africans were poor. They're, Australia ranked fifth in the world, South Africa seventh. And they did play like how their standings suggest. And aren't South Africa under some pressure this weekend heading off to Wellington to play the All Blacks in the corresponding match there last year? Was it 56? 57. 50, 56, 57 nil? That, that sounds right, yeah. And it was South Africa actually... <laughs> 
played all right for that in that first half, but it was just a classic counterpunch scenario that we're seeing time and time again from the All Blacks. So, yeah, they've got a lot of uh, mental scars, the the Springboks, and the, the coach, Rusty Erasmus, just into the job. He's already sort of talking yes. uh, fatalistic stuff about um, what his future might hold. It's, it's getting a little bit out of control if, you, if you're doing that after a handful of games. You don't often hear a coach come out and say, <laughs> say that about his own well, he, job. Well, he's he's got a director of rugby as well. Yeah, he's sort of wearing, wearing two hats and, you know, Rusty the coach, uh, you better pull your socks up, mate. <laughs> I wonder whether that's a, a way of, in a sense, taking some pressure off your players. I mean, we're sitting here talking about it. I wonder whether it's uh, an attempt to, to kind of put the spotlight on him and take the, the spotlight off some poor performances. The, the reality is, though, South Africa only in June defeated England 2-1 that's in, right. in exactly. a series. So yeah. I, I think we've, we've, all this is highlighting at the moment is how good your blacks are and, and the fact that the Wallabies, although they did lose 2-1, there was nothing in that series at all. So clearly the All Blacks look like they're head and shoulders. And as we all knew already, that they're, they're out and out number ones in the world. And what we haven't really touched on is uh, is Argentina and, and obviously the Jaguares were uh, terrific improvers making it at the Super Rugby Finals for the first time and, and this Argentinian side is, is certainly made up of the bulk of that uh, Jaguares side and, um, and I think with half an hour to play uh, they were in the game. Uh, what were they? Four, four points down, three points down on, on Saturday night with half an hour to play. So, uh, it, again, it was, um, getting kicked and kicked hard by the All Blacks late in the game. But, uh, for a long while, they were in that match. Yeah, and particularly their attack um, looked great at times. Uh, they, they sort of run slightly different angles and clever lines that, that other teams don't, uh, Argentina. And, yeah, with Nico Sanchez pulling the strings, um, they're a serious uh, attacking force. So, yeah, we'll obviously touch on it further as we go. But, yeah, the Wallabies um, got a huge battle on their hands this weekend. Very potent out wide. I did uh, raise an eyebrow when uh, Mario Ledesma, who obviously spent so much time here in Australia, uh, said, you know, maybe our scrum is our weakness now. You know, that, that is, uh, it's unheard of, un- unspoken of, uh, in terms of Argentine rugby. I don't think it's happened overnight either, though. Like the Argentinian scrum over the last two, three years hasn't quite been what it, what it was, uh, in, especially in the early 2000s, I, I'd say. But, uh, we've seen it all throughout Super Rugby at times. They've, they've been beaten up there too. And it's essentially, it's the same side. So I don't think that's particularly a surprise. But what a try it was from, uh, Moano there out wide when he, who he blitz turned inside eight. TJ Paranara and who, who was the other one with her? Uh, pass, but yeah, it was a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful try weaving in and out. He, um, he bamboozled not only the defender, but me, cause I can't remember who it was. So yeah, <laughs> just a fantastic try and great to see some of that, that flair. They're, they're still trying to piece it all together, aren't they? But when they can combine those traditional forward strengths with some of the stuff they're doing out, out wide, I mean, look out. It's just, they can't quite nail all the components of the game at well, the same their time. Their back three combinations got to be one of the most exciting in world rugby because I don't think the Wallabies have sorted out what their back three really, particularly on the, on the, either the flank is, is, their best combination. The, the Springboks still playing around a little bit too and uh, we know that the All Blacks are class when you can just shift uh, shift Ben Smith from fullback to wing and it's just seamless and there's, there's guys like Nehi Milnescato who don't generally ever make the team. So um, Argentina are going to be a real threat and it'll be interesting to see how they go this weekend uh, up against if it's Hayler Petty that shifts back to the wing with Folau coming back in uh, a fullback. And the little sideshow that you've got there to, to all of that is... Um is Michael Checker and Mario Ledesma. They're, they're good mates. They've had so much to do with each other uh, over the years as, as coach and assistant coach. And 
Um, I know that they'll enjoy that. They, they probably won't make a whole lot of it, but they'll enjoy every moment of going head-to-head. Yeah, it's a great uh, little storyline and yeah, one of the great things about rugby that uh, it is international and guys come and go and ha- have these relationships. So, yeah, uh, a bit of banter from Stephen Larkham during the week. Check's been, yes. check's been quiet so far, but I, I don't think he'll be able to resist at some stage uh, saying something. And, yeah, Mario just, just seems like a great character, doesn't he? I, I didn't get to know him particularly well, but he looks like a guy that the, the players all love as well. You, you hear the Wallabies speak fondly about him as well. Exactly. I was looking forward to actually asking Matt Tamur about Stephen Larkham. We, we see him as an assistant coach and he often looks quite serious and he doesn't particularly say a hell of a lot but yesterday I think even the the journalists that were there were a little bit surprised when when Bernie just started teeing off with the straightest of faces where he goes he was here for a couple of years as an assistant coach and honestly I don't know how his head coach now he struggled as an assistant coach I don't know what he's going to come up with this weekend uh yeah very dry very tongue Planted firmly in cheek, very, yeah. very dry. Classic, classic Bernie. Amazing what a win can do. You can start cracking the jokes. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, find out what's been happening with the Wallabies this week as we're joined by Matt Tamua. Thanks for joining us on the, the Fox Rugby podcast. You must be pretty happy with uh, that little outing on, on Saturday night, a, a win, and, uh, and you were awarded man of the match? Yeah, I don't know, by... Default, I think, because I fell over on a ball on the try line. <laughs> but I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. But yeah, um, I think the week we had, uh, obviously, um, a bit of pressure on us and all that. But uh, with a few injuries and all that, I think it really was just a case of getting a win. Um, and you know, performance aside, usually you know you talk about performance and all that stuff and not result. But for us, it was purely result. So we're glad we got that. Uh, we know we can be a lot better. Um, but as I said, uh, wins a win, and we'll, we'll take it. Matty, uh, it would have been a well-wind uh, week for you, I dare say, coming back from England. And then, uh, at what stage did you find out that you were actually going to be starting at twelve? Uh, Wednesday, no, I think it was. So pretty later, later in the week. Yeah, I got back uh, to Tuff and I got back on. I think the Monday morning. Um, and then drove back about six thirty. Drove down into Sanctuary Cove, and then uh, in the eight thirty, we had a meeting at nine, and it just cracked on from there. So um, yeah, it was busy, but um, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. It was. Uh, you, sometimes when you just crack on, it's the best thing for you, as opposed to thinking about how tired you are. So that was alright. How did you think that partnership went? I think, as Michael Checker said, you know it was never going to be one hundred percent perfect, uh, given that the the build up that you'd had, and, and Kirtley hadn't played um, ten for a while. But how did you, were you and Kirtley, sort of review the game? Uh, pretty poor, actually. It wasn't great. Like as I said, the the um, the conditions weren't great for, I guess, for running rugby. It was it was obviously very wet, um, but. No, we went great. A lot of, a lot of turnovers first phase, um, you know, and, and that's never ideal. I think, uh, I'm probably glad that he's, he's, he wants to give it a little bit more of a run because I'm probably the first guy to go. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad about that. But as I said, it, like all those things aside, we, we played territory well enough in the second half and um, well enough, not meaning good. Um, we got our points when we needed to set pieces good, uh, especially the second half um, when Taniella came on and really helped us there. So I think those are the things that really mattered, uh, uh, really helped and got us to win. Um, 
but yeah, there's definitely a lot of improvement in terms of that. I think that 10, 12 axis, and that's something we're looking to do this week. But with um, with Kirtley at, at ten, and, and try and give us some insight here, is is fly half one of the most difficult positions to? And I know he, he has spent a lot of time at, at first receiver, and like you did on uh, on Saturday night as well. But when you're actually got ten on your back, is it a difficult thing to step into that? that position in one game and, and star straight away or does it take a number of games to, to work yourself into that role? Yeah, I think um, a bit of both. I think, I think like, as the, the conditions probably aren't conducive to, say, a guy like Kirtley at 10, if you know what I mean, with, with his strengths, with the running game and obviously that broken field play. Um, being as it was, it was very set-piece orientated, a lot of scraps. Uh, kicking, uh, which to the fair, he did, he did quite well. So I think you'll see, I, I don't think it'll, it'll take a guy like him long to, to adjust at all. Um, but seeing as the, the game was the way it was in terms of the conditions, it probably wasn't suited ideally for that. So, um, hopefully this week we'll see a bit more. Um, but yeah, the 10 is very much the, uh, it's the quarterback. It's kind of one of the first positions people look at when you see a team named. So it is, uh, there's a lot of responsibility there, but hopefully we have uh, been sharing the load all right. Matt, we'll move on to this week shortly, but uh, before we do, given the circumstances of having come back from England and played at Leicester and then come back early in the week, the, the idea, of, were you surprised that you were selected to start after that and, and not had the, kind of the week off to, to kind of mentally and physically um, prepare yourself and, and brace for a, a big week like last week was? Um. No, no, I like, oh, was a surprise. I, I, I'm not surprised. Like, it was a challenge, but it was something that I, like, I was, I was more than ready to do. I think, like, what a lot of people forget, or not forget, but like, you know, South Africa had just, trans, um, come through almost a similar amount of time zones as well. So, you know, it's something that we kind of have to deal with, um, in modern rugby with, you know, we do it all the time. I did it the week before, um, playing in England. So, it is, um, you'd be lying if you say it doesn't impact your performance on, on a small part, but I think for me it was, it was something that I'm more than used to now, so, um, I was never gonna, I was never gonna let a starting opportunity go because I'm a little bit tired, so, um, you know, sometimes you just gotta scrap for it and take what you're given and, and make the best out of it, so that, that's what I was looking to do last week, and hopefully this week if I'm given a chance I'll, uh, have a bit better preparation, but in saying that, um, as I said, you just, you go with what you're given. And do you have to do that again after this week? Do you then have to to go back to England again before you uh, before you play in in Port Elizabeth, isn't it? Against uh, the box a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're off on Sunday night, um, back to England. Get there Monday. Uh, we're gonna then we play Sunday uh, in the UK. Fly out that Sunday night, straight after the game, down down to South Africa. And we'll meet the boys in Port Elizabeth on the Monday. Jeez, you, so you uh, that that yeah, busy. Pl- that platinum is safe for a, a, a year <laughs> Isn't or so. It yeah. what? <laughs> hey. I actually started looking beyond that now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, now on Saturday night as part of our our pregame on Fox Sports, we're going to run that uh, that feature um, that uh, that you did. Um, and I, in fact, tonight, sorry, on, on Kick and Chase, Wednesday night, we're going to run that, that feature that you did with us uh, a short time ago about, you know, how you'd improved as a player 
in England and and uh, in what that stint had had done for you. But just for for those listening, can you elaborate on that and and tell us you know how you changed nah. in that time over tell there? Them, tell them watch watch the show. Oh Jeez. yeah, I love you. I love you. Well done. <laughs> Give the people uh, for those for there's, those there's of you who are kicking themselves that have missed it. Yeah, uh, but, but you you obviously were. were you you grew, I think, in that time in, in terms of your footy, and you you talked a bit about your you know your the way you approached it mentally, um, you know, mm. and it wasn't all easy for you, was it? No, not at all. Um, I went there. Uh, my first game, I got yellow carded. Should have been red carded for tip tackling a guy. Second game, I tore my ACL and was out for nine months. So, um, wasn't exactly the this the way I thought it was going to go. Uh, but looking back, to be honest, I think I definitely took some positives out of it, um, out of that injury anyway, in terms of patience and resilience and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's um, hopefully helped, um, helped, helped me a little bit. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to be coming out with bold statements saying, "Geez, I'm a, I'm a way better player now. I've played in England," because um, you know you, we'll find out, I guess, in the next few weeks. Um, but I'd like to think that, oh, you know, a couple of years older. Um, Played, played a bit more footy, got, you know, 30 more games under my belt that I've actually grown in some sense. I think the game's unique over there in terms of the weather and the conditions, all the competitions. So you, you got to be quite uh, creative with your problem solving and how, how you how you win games. Um, and so that's probably something that I've, I've learned a bit of, which, um, yeah, I've enjoyed, to be honest, in a playmaking role when you're, you know, when you're told you've got to play in, you know, half the fields in snow and you've lost a lot of your players because they're playing for England, you know, it's a, it presents a different challenge. So, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed that part. Matt, I think you're pretty uh, tight with David Pocock, and, and obviously everyone, um, well, in World Rugby, is hoping that he can shake off these these neck issues that he's having um, and, and, and firstly be named in the, the team tomorrow. But how's he going? Uh, what's his, his headspace like, I guess, because it's a, a pretty concerning issue that he's got to deal with? Yeah, like, he, he, he doesn't say much, to be fair, but he's in... Um, he's in a lot of pain. Like that, the last two weeks, he's it's it, oh gosh, it, I don't want to say something too outlandish, but Jesus needs to be looked at because um, you know you got a guy like him who is phenomenal over the ball and is missing a game because of a an illegal cleanout. Um, so I don't know, something needs to be done because you want one, you want guys like that playing the game, and you don't want his skill set being diminished um, because of um, poor technique in the cleanout. So it's um, it's something that needs to be addressed. In terms of how he's going, I don't really know. He doesn't he doesn't give off much. He's quite a stoic character, Dave. So um, he'll um, he'll crack on. He'll he gave himself every chance last week and really tried to fight it, but he just couldn't. So I think he's in a better space this week. Um, but we don't we don't find out until Thursday what the team is. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll know tomorrow, I guess. And just in terms of the the mood of the team as as well, we know that a win can do can do wonders for the mood of the team. But it seems like you, well, you anyway has been you know it's been a pretty harsh review. You haven't got too carried away with the result. You, you're focusing on the performance. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. It was definitely like I think if we're being honest with ourselves, it was a sense of relief after the game. Um, obviously, we we're excited that we won, but um, yeah, I think there was a, definitely a sense of relief in the camp. And then I. After Monday, after Monday's review, we, there was a few guys coming out saying, like, geez, it felt, kind of almost felt like we lost <laughs> after reviewing that because we, we were well below where we, we needed to be. So, um, you know, I think a good balance of that's important. I think you should, you, you gotta be careful of being comfortable and we by no means have earned the right to be comfortable after our performances. So, um, we're definitely not. We're working hard. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it's how you, 
how you put the performance out on the day, and it's um, it's something that we if we keep into it, we need to go with and uh, be better at. Hey, Matty, uh, yeah, Kirtley Bill was, was talking about uh, your return earlier in the week on Monday, I think, and, and he said that it's been great for Australian rugby to have the depth there and you come back. But I dare say your teammates are also pretty pleased because you're, you're pretty handy uh, with the coffee machine. Uh, <laughs> just just yesterday I saw you uh, at, the, at the coffee cart. Um, has that had something to do with your, your return to the starting side as well? <laughs> Me making coffee. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, hard questions coming from Christy, mate. So, yeah. Please, I don't people. know what to say. No, I, let, I, I knew how to play coffee. Um, play coffee. I knew how to make coffee when I had number 22 on my back. Um, yeah. Don't know what to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've made, in, in terms of uh, the coffee capital of Australia, although people in Sydney might argue with this, but uh, yeah. you, you've made the, the right move to Melbourne next year. Uh, I like that little link you made there, Nick. Yeah, that's that was good. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a segue. segue. That is a segue right there. So, um, but, it, but in terms of uh, the, the deal to, to go to Melbourne, we were mulling it over before. I mean, the, the word Quaid, the name Quade Cooper has been uh, thrown up. Now, I don't know whether that's going to happen or, or not. You've probably got more of an insight into that, but um, there'd be a hell of a backline with him or even without him next year. It's, it's shaping up pretty well in Melbourne. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. My um, Elise told me actually. She said I heard Quade's going down. I had no idea. Um, so <laughs> I have no idea. I think I think um, like oh gosh, I'm I'm just kind of digressing. I reckon because um, there's every chance that I won't. I'll only be available for a couple games next year. Yeah. So I don't know if they're, if they're looking to do something there. I have absolutely no idea. But you know that would make a bit of sense. Um, our season doesn't finish till May. Uh, in England, so um, I could be coming off the back of about a year and a bit of, of straight rugby. So how that ends up looking, I have no idea. Um, but I guess, as I said, there's probably every chance that um, you know I'll only be available for a few games. So just in time for the might. finals, mate. Hopefully, that's uh, that's that's the plan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Seems like a long way away. Hey, I'm going to jump in off the back of Christie's left field question and, and ask another oh, one. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> ho- hopefully we can get a response out of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kirtley Beal and his haircut uh, getting a bit of press this week. The Batuta Advocate boys are all over it. It reminds me a yeah. bit of bit of Kenny Powers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but what, yeah, what, yeah. what, what do you make of the, the do uh, standing next to you? I loved it. I actually was... Um, we got hair, We got haircuts on the same day. Him, me, him, Ned Hannigan. Ned's didn't turn out as well. Um <laughs> Kirtley's <laughs> uh, look. I, I think it's brilliant. It's. Uh, I think. Who do you say? Um, Clippy Lions. Clippy Lions yeah. uh, inspired him, and I think he's he's done all right there. He might have to put a few kegs on though, and muscle yeah. up to be like Clippy, but smoke a few um, in his pregame. I did, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did see Ned. I, I think Ned got the barber with the guard dog just quietly. He's. Um, <laughs> he's <laughs> he, um, yeah. No, we're 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 looking for the bloke who got him because uh, yeah, he um, he did some damage there, but. No, Ned. Ned's uh, wasn't too happy. He, I actually, I was, I was sitting in the barber chair, getting my hair done, and then Ned comes down with his like ochre voice, and you hear him on the opposite side of the room, and he goes, "I'd like a subtle mullet." Because <laughs> 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 I don't think there's anything subtle about a mullet. Anyway. Yeah, the mullet's back. I don't know what yeah. happened there. Seriously. Matty, we spoke to Fanger last week, uh, and he said that he was rooming with David Pocock. Who, who are you rooming with this week? Uh, oh, God. We, we, we've actually got our own rooms this week. We've been spoiled, um, so I've got much to be there. I know. It's um, la-di-da. 
I think every now and then they do that. But um, yeah, Gold Coast. Maybe, maybe a win and you, you can sleep by yourself yeah. you know, the bunk. <laughs> maybe that's that. what the rule is. Well, yeah. just uh, talking about wins, the opportunity, of course, to go back-to-back uh, this week against Argentina. And, and um, you know, I don't know how much work you guys have put in uh, on them. I know it checks all about concentrating on yourselves, but no doubt you've had a bit of a look at, at them and, and they're a side on the improve. Yeah, definitely. They, they're very dangerous. Um I think Bernie um, found a personality yesterday and had a bit of a crack at Mario, but um, he did that out of respect, I think, more than anything. Um, you know, we know we know how dangerous they are. They're very much Mario's brought in a few structures, which I think has allowed them to show their their natural flair, um, which is something that the Argies have always had and particularly had in 2015. Uh, so. Uh, we're more than more than capable, but you know, we're by no means uh, do we have a right to get ahead of ourselves because we've only won one game in the end of a while, so you're not looking too far ahead. Well, you're taking shots at your uh, backs, coach, mate. So I think you are getting a little bit ahead of yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I no, I heard, I heard, I heard. Check picks the team, so I'm being smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's the coffee making. Yeah. What, what about what about uh, Nico Sanchez? He's a, a fair player and, and some fair form, isn't he? Yeah, he is um, very dangerous. Obviously, got a good boot, but he's um, he's quite quick as well. And from uh, from break and play, he can he can do a lot. So I think oh, they've got guys like that all over the field, though, particularly their back rowers. But yeah, um, he's someone who's been right up there with the best tens, I think, for the last four or five years. Um, and yeah, he's at the top of his form now. So it's something we're going to have to be aware of for sure. Matty, um, we might leave it there, and uh, I know that you've uh, got some other commitments this afternoon, but we really do appreciate you joining us uh, on the Fox Rugby podcast, and um, in the expectation that, that Bernie will not listen to this, we're looking forward to seeing you in action on, on Saturday night. Yeah, that's right, just release it after lunch tomorrow, and <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's the plan, yeah. No, no worries, thanks, fellas. Well done, mate, nice, great man. to have you back. Nice to talk to Cheers, you, Cheers, thank mate. you. Bye-bye. Thanks, boys. Cheers, bye. Uh, Matt Tamua, seemingly uh, very relaxed after a round of golf, the day off, isn't it, on the on the Gold Coast today? Yeah, so. you just mentioned he had further commitments. Uh, was, he, was he alluding to the 19th hole there? Could have been. Could have been. I believe that's where he was uh, speaking to us from. So, yeah, but I suspect he's probably only having a cup of coffee. Good to speak to Matt. And uh, what we, we heard that Matt there saying that he thought that the combination and just the side in general had a lot of work to do. What did we actually think? Do we think this is a long-term possibility of having Bill at, at 10? I thought it was interesting on Saturday night when uh, Czech spoke to us after the game that uh, he kind of said, well, you know, this is this is what I'm looking at. I don't just want to, you know, give the bloke one game and, and, uh, and then back away from it. So it sounded like that, that for the foreseeable future, that was going to be the deal. Um, and then we did have a bit of a chat about the fact that, you know, do you want to be uh, fairly sure about what your best 9, 10, 12 combination is, uh, you know, a year out from a World Cup. Uh, and our guys, you know, um, Drew was there and, uh, and uh, George was there and, and, and Kersey was there. And they're like, oh, you know, they, they weren't terribly uh, perturbed about that. They, they felt that, you know, it's horses for courses and, and whoever uh, puts their hand up, then, then that's fine. Let's not get stressed out about the fact that, oh, we don't know uh, what the best combination is. I'm, I don't know. I mean, they're obviously more qualified than I am, but I would have thought that a coach would want to know, uh, A, what his best combination is in that part of the field, but more in general, what, what his best side is heading towards the World Cup. 
Yeah, I guess with those um, positions, Czech's argument and logic is, well, this is how he finds out what his, what his best um, mm. team is going to be. But, yeah, it's, it's hugely significant um, a year out from the World Cup, isn't it? Um, you know, everyone just assumed that Foley was going to have that position locked up and, and Timur maybe, you know, push Bill for, for 12 and provide some backup. But, no, it's a, it's a genuine shake-up and genuine opportunity. And um, it, it's hugely significant with the Tars, of course, next year as well. I mean, if, if Bill's the incumbent, Wallaby's 10 and, and Foley's mm-hmm. there, you know, how... I'm, I'm sure Daryl will just pick the the best team for him, but there's a yeah, there's a a, a lot of uh, factors um, you know hovering around. The other interesting discussion that it has sparked this week is, and I know that um, Bob Dwyer was canvassed on it, and and uh, John Connolly was canvassed on it. Can you fit you know uh, Bernard Foley at ten? Uh, um, Kurtley Beal at 12, um, Matt Tamur at 13, Israel Folau at, at 15. Can you fit all these, you know, outstanding backline players into the one side? And I found it interesting that, uh, that John Connolly said it's fool's gold. The temptation, of course, is there to try and fit all these people in. Mm. But his take on it is you pick your best 10, you pick your best 15, and then you then you work from there. Oh, I completely agree. And uh, I, I can't... I think it would be a very, very small back line if you had those three playmakers in at 10, 12, 13. But let's not forget that Tevita Kurandrani, Samu Karevi, two class 13s. Sure. So I think one of them will certainly come back as soon as, uh, as they're fit. Uh, I think Karevi's injuries a little bit longer than first thought, but Kurandrani could be back by the spring tour. Uh, but I think the discussion that could almost be had as well is, do we want to see Israel Folau on the right wing and Dane Haylett Petty at fullback? We've seen Haylett Petty have two pretty uh, solid games. I don't think it's spectacular, but what we expect from Haylett Petty is someone who he doesn't make too many mistakes, and we've seen that so far. But what we haven't seen is that we've had two wingers that haven't actually been doing a heck of a lot in terms of scoring tries and, and setting up tries uh, with Marika Korobedi and, and when Haylett Petty's been on the on the right wing. So I think that would be an experiment worth looking at. Uh, what do you think, Sam? Well, yeah, the the thing with the Foley thing is you, you, I'm a bit worried that you're going away from the strength of the team, which was the foley bill Falau, um combination, which was so mm. um, well-honed with, with the Tars and the Wallabies. So, yeah, I, I don't think they want to get too cute, do they, um, mi- mixing things up? But I personally, yeah, I, th- I think Haylett Petty at fullback and Falau on the wing, I think that's a great formula. You know, Haylett Petty's got a bit of that Ben Smith about him where he can pop up. He's got good instincts that, that allows him to roam around a, a little bit and play make a bit more. Um, but yeah, I don't think they want to get too cute and chopping and changing every week either. So um, yeah, they, they have to be very smart with their selections because they've only got I don't, what would it be, maybe ten games or so before before the World Cup now. Yeah, I think so they, it's twelve or thirteen. They yeah. start need to st- start need to honing in on it. It's um, it's interesting too, and and I do subscribe to what all of our experts agreed upon on Saturday night after the game was that at the very least it will sharpen up and make better players of both Bernard Foley and Kirtley Beale. The opportunity, you give them, you know, Bernie's going to want to get back into that position. Kirtley's going to want to keep it. Um, so both of them are going to be working very, very hard. One huge area of growth that we want to, that we need to see is that, is that with with Will Genia, who's clearly our number uh, first choice halfback, he's, he's, I think, the equivalent of what the All Blacks is to the rest of the world in terms of the golf of class between... Genia and the rest of the pack. I think Nick Phipps has showed that he's that he's capable. Certainly, um, he's got a lot of energy. He's, he's 
He's fast. He's great defence. He's a good he, podcaster. He's a great podcaster. And he has three crack ribs. I, indeed. So he, he, he's probably certainly uh, nailed, I think, that number, that, that backup. But we look at Joe Power on the weekend, didn't come on at all. And, that, and we've seen that a few times where we saw in the third test in Sydney where Joe Power came on replacing Nick Phipps, I think, after about 55 minutes. But on the few occasions last year that he was selected, he had very little minutes. We probably need to, at some stage, start to say a little bit more because we know that Will Genia's injury history hasn't been too flash over the last couple of years. So I think we probably need to start to see some more minutes out of those guys uh, as backup. All right. So just as we uh, begin to to wrap up, you both think the Wallabies over Argentina. It uh, it's going to be hard. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think history would show the Wallabies should be able to get it done. I think 15 out of the last 16, um, they've beaten them. Uh, yeah, and certainly if Pocock, Falau, those guys are back, you'd think they'd have enough. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to, the wits about them. Nathan Gray, the defence coach, I think he'll have a busy week, um, sorting out, uh, his structures because Argentina do throw some pretty unpredictable stuff at them. So, yeah, ho- hopefully the conditions are a little bit better than they were last weekend. We see a nice high scoring duel. Yeah, I think they'll, you'd, you'd back the Wallabies to win. As we mentioned last week, Argentina, I think people were surprised to see Argentina push New Zealand as much as they did. And, and that, I don't think, surprised necessarily us because we watch it week in, week out, then play. But also the last few years and when they've come up against the All Blacks, they always push them for 50 minutes, 60 minutes. But probably a little bit like the, every other international team, the All Blacks just run over them with 20 minutes to go. And that's what occurred on the weekend. So I think the Wallabies, though, will win. And, and uh, fingers crossed we can see a dry pitch and, and see those combinations a little bit more what they're about with Beal running in, in fine conditions. We'll see that and also if it is dry we'll see some spectacular rugby from uh, from Argentina no doubt about that and uh, the earlier game in Wellington is it a case of New Zealand by how far? Yeah you'd have to, you'd have to think so um, I mean the box will sort their stuff out at some point I mean you, you pointed to it they played some great stuff against England um, in June so and they've got you know, world class players throughout that team, so they'll they'll hit their straps at some point, no doubt about it. But yeah, look, uh, this black machine rolls on. They'll, they'll bring back uh, Bowden Barrett at, at ten, Aaron Smith, um, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and Retallick out. Retallick's out, yeah. So Scott Barrett will, will start. Um, but yeah, who I mean, comes on to the bench there? Do we are we thinking Luke Romano? Uh, Tui Pilotu. Uh, he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't been called into the squad. So, yeah, Tui Pilotu's hovering about. He's mm. one possibility. Um, scored a hat trick, uh, might have 10 cup last week, I think. So, yeah, okay. Handy couple of players. Mm. Yeah, so, um, look, I'll go down the limb and say New Zealand. <laughs> well, <laughs> to, to oh, well said. Well said. Brave. Brave. Well, so. the only way they stand a chance to spring box is if, if Malcolm Marks uh, has an absolute blunt. He was a bit subdued. Uh, he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was hardly sighted. Didn't make the, the presence felt at the at the ruck like he usually does. So those sorts of players have to have a bar, like brilliant matches and, and also their fly half, whoever they choose, Yantes or, or Pollard, who once again didn't do too much last week. But uh, you'd think the All Blacks were 20 or 30. But for the sakes of world rugby, I think we really need to see a, a tight contest. So it'd be good to see the Springboks push them, but you, you, you can't really see that, can you? Not really. Not based on last week's performance, but you never know. They love they love the game. They love the contest against uh, the All Blacks, so maybe they will lift. I reckon that is a, about a wrap. Thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. <laughs>